Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Carly R. And today we are joined by our very special guest, Corey. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. Good. It is early. Uh, where are you from, Corey? I am from Columbia, Maryland, but I'm originally from Hagerstown. Okay. Ooh, did you go okay. to high school in Columbia? No. Oh, okay. I was like, ooh, I did. No. Okay, fine. Wait, wait. Connection lost. You're you're from Hagerstown? Yeah, so I moved out here. Let's for... dive into that a little bit. That's fucking weird, right? <laughs> Why, Why is that, that weird? weird? I don't know. I Thank you. High five. Weird. My aunt and uncle and cousin have lived in Hagerstown like forever. I'm just saying. And now my sister and brother, niece and nephew I'm just, I'm just live in like, Hagerstown. Hey, what's going on? Why'd you come out of the mountains and come here, you know? Ma- the Maryland flag is the way it is because we're a hodgepodge of people and we all <laughs> accept each other. Son of a bitch. I I disagree. That's why the Maryland flag was created that way. I don't think they were thinking like a DEI kind of perspective of like, you know. You don't know what they were thinking. (laughs) Neither do you. Uh, Okay. Damn it. I thought we were on the same side, Carly. (laughs) Do this to me. I don't know. They have okay. a lot of the Confederate flag out there. So. Yes. Ooh, yeah. yeah. There's probably a lot of that there, yeah. That's true. We'll not go into that. Okay, so you're from Hagerstown, <laughs> and then when did you come to Columbia? Um, I have been, moved a lot in recovery, but I've been living in Columbia this time for about a year. Fantastic. When were you first introduced to recovery? Uh, in 2018, when I got clean. Nice. And how long have you been clean? Four years. Four years. Fantastic. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to you. Share your story with us. So take it away. Awesome. Um, so I'll just start by saying that um, I had a super decent childhood, and the trajectory definitely was not planned for me to be here, yeah. like as a recovering addict. That's pretty um, much all of us. Here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I felt like you know from a pretty young age like people were making plans for me um people thought that i had like really big things in store um because i you know did well in school really quick yeah and like i'm sure a lot of us have heard this at some point like oh you have so much potential yeah i hated when adults said that to me i was like that's such a fucking insult i was like do you mean like i'm just like failing right now i mean i was but yeah so to me, it made me feel like I was weird. Like yeah. I, all I wanted to do was be more like the people that I looked up to who were like, you get A's, we get B's and C's. Like we yeah. don't, we would never get an A. That's like what nerds do. So you were a good kid and you wanted yeah. to be like, you were an A student and wanted to be like a C plus student. Yeah. Okay. But I could use it to my advantage because I felt like, you know, like, giving other people my homework or like doing their homework for them made me useful. Mm. So that was like my worth to a lot of the people that I didn't have any other way of showing or like, I guess, proving my worth to. Carly, did you help people cheat or were you like, no, don't cheat? Um, yeah, I think I did. Okay. I totally did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't use for the first time until I was 16, I think, 15 mm-hmm. or 16. So I was in high school, um, and my first drug was a drink. What um, was it? I think it was rocket fuel. What, what? the fuck is rocket fuel? <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> it shouldn't be drink. <laughs> like, I, like, I was a good kid, so, like, I, you know... 
I had these two friends. They were super edgy. Um, Eric, Google that for us. Yeah. Wait. What is it? You're 16 and you guys made this drink. Do you you think you made it correctly? We didn't make it. It was, that was like the brand name. Oh, it's a cocktail. Oh, is Um, it? Okay. Let's see if I can find a... (laughs) Dark rum. Amaretto, pineapple juice, oh, man, cream of coconut. Definitely not sounds, what we were doing. No, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, Don't drink, everybody. That's terrible. I mean, it was essentially, we just mixed some type of like liquor with orange oh, juice. Oh, here it is. Hold on. Rocket fuel malt liquor. Oh. 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 No offense, but that sounds very Hagerstown. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, my there friend is a there's a fire like there's a fire warning on. The I mean, I would have, there's a fire warning on it. Yes. it is flammable. Okay. Yes, there's a fire warning. My friend passed me a note in school, and she was like, "We're gonna drink rocket fuel this weekend." And I was like, "We're doing what?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's crazy. That's a great first drink, though. This looks like right up. Like mine was like some Russian vodka. Yeah, that's right. right. And it's like perfect. This is like six dollar fifth. I always forget. So, so your shitty vodka. What was yours? Mine was shitty vodka and rolling natu- rock, right. natural light. I that's what my dad drank. Yeah, mine was Malibu. You had Rolling Rock as the first one. Yeah, that's, that's what my that's, that's what beer. my dad that's, that's drank. Solid. That's a great. That's that was great his beer. Place. This is really terrible. Anybody who's listening, we're not really like this. It's just <laughs> it, it. You know, it's fun to talk about our first drinks and just what level we're at. I was at Malibu. He's at shitty Russian rum. She's at a, a, a nice pale ale, Rolling Rock, and then you mm, Rocket are Fuel, guzzling fucking Rocket Fuel. Yeah. Go hard or go home. Continue. <laughs> Flame hazards. <laughs> Flame hazards. <laughs> Um, so like I remember the first time that I used because the two I would imagine. Yeah. But well like <laughs> it was traumatizing for me. It was at my house oh, and no. my parents, my siblings were home. Oh. Um, so my two friends, the one had a boyfriend who was like out of high school already. Yeah, and so we snuck we were gonna sneak him and then like the only way I can describe him is like the town junkie yep. into the house. Like oh, all yeah. we knew about him was that he'd been in jail. Yep. He like did heroin at I some point. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, love it. Like this is a great idea. Um, and I was paranoid the entire time. So like my first experience wasn't like, no, oh wow, like this is, you know, everything I've been looking for. I was like, no, you're like shut the fuck up. I was like, get out. Oh, you know, tears. yeah, like this can't be over soon enough. <laughs> She's making a therapy so this is not cool. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's just what came into my head. You know, I don't know. It's um, a mom's make. But the, the first time I actually did have that experience where I was like, this is what I've been looking for. Um, my mom and brother had both been prescribed opiates at some point. Mm-hmm. Like my brother had a sports injury and then I think my mom like fell while they were building our house. So I went in the medicine cabinet um, and I found like some Percocet or something mm-hmm. and I just took, you know, had no idea what I was doing, um, but I took it and I just felt like this warm feeling um, that I had never felt before. And 
it was not like a fun experience like at first it was fun i made like a whole pot of mac and cheese and like ate the whole thing which like i don't hear about people getting munchies on no. <laughs> but then i threw it all up and i was like oh. oh like this is crazy and i wanted to do it again um but there's a limited supply mm-hmm. so and you can only use so much without like it being noticeable mm-hmm. um so essentially like most of my using at an early age was limited to drinking and smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I fell into like a friend group where they were constantly like pushing the barriers. Um, they were doing a lot of like robo tripping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I always felt more like I was like the mom friend or something. Yes. Um, like I would be there. I You're would, a crucial friend to have. Right. Mom, mom friend is crucial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I felt very valued. Um yeah. and I was like one of the only ones not getting fucked up. Were you the one that like cleaned up at like mid party? You were like just gathering up like, Probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little messy. Let's tidy up and hear you guys. Lay yeah. Out, lay off the rough house. I mean, there were certainly times where I went all out and like was the first one passed out at a party or something but when i was with this friend group um it wasn't like that Mm -hmm. and if i was using i was usually just smoking or like doing pills or something um and what we would do in hagerstown is like go camping on the potomac river um that was the only way that we could find like the time and the space to like I don't know. Do what you, whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, like, there was a particular guy in the front group. Because it always starts with a guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that I was really drawn to. I had actually, like, dated his best friend before I dated him. Oh, you broke bro code. I did. That's not cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it was, like, you know, the forbidden aspect of it and just, like, you know, this person was more spontaneous and, like, I don't know. There was just, it was, like, I felt fearless when I was with them. And um, they introduced me to, like, most everything else that I ended up doing. Um, When we were in high school, we were abusing Suboxone. So... So, like, I had no idea what that was. Um, I didn't know it was an opiate or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just knew that, like, I knew other people that took it, and they got really sick, but they said it was, like, one of the best highs ever. Um, and... God, we're fucked up. <laughs> right. Oh, God, I got so sick. It was awesome, bro. Like, they would just keep doing it, and I was yeah. like, I mean, there must be some point to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Just to fast forward a little bit, like, um, I ended up graduating, going to college because that seemed like the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Where'd you go to college? I went to college at Rice University in oh, Houston. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good college. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I didn't finish or anything. Um, well, I didn't even go, so I'm, I'm way bottom on the totem pole in this room. That's okay. Um, I did go to HCC. Go Dragons. Yes. Oh, HCC too. Same. Shut the fuck up, Eric. I did. <laughs> Probably longer than you. That's so rude. That's so rude. 100% accurate. Yeah. Okay. So, like, 
Sorry. When I'm sorry, I was just there. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh my god. So when I was like, I so I got flown out to visit this school before I applied. Mm-hmm. Um, like they recruited me, and when I went out to visit wow. the, the guy that I was talking about earlier, um, his name's Christian. I can say that because he's no longer with us, but um, he basically like we were just hooking up it wasn't there was never anything official mm-hmm. but he ended up like you know cheating on me like in the situation we were in mm-hmm. and i found out when i was at college and i was like i'm in texas like there's literally nothing that can touch me so like the geographical change for me was like everything mm-hmm. and um i went out there but without fail like every time i came home I was going to see him mm-hmm. and he had a girlfriend. Like, So were you staying clean in, in Texas for um, the most part? I was drinking on the weekends and I couldn't really find like, I was really socially awkward. So I couldn't find like the people that were using. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of just drinking and like a lot of barefoot wine, lots of rum. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I wasn't, like, a practice drinker. I just, you know, got whatever everyone else was getting. Um, So, when I would go home, I would meet up with him, and, like, his addiction was progressing this whole time. Mm -hmm. He was at home, and so, like... As it does in Hangerstown. Yeah. Huh? As it does in Hangerstown. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And... We would go, I would go home, we would hang out. He would have like Xanax and methadone pills and all kinds of stuff. Um, and I didn't say no to anything because I trusted him and I felt like, you know, doing that together brought us together. So, um, and then like I went, would go back to school, you know, I had a mental breakdown. Um, because I couldn't handle the fact that, like, you know, he had a girlfriend. He was also seeing me, like, ended up telling her what was going on. And then, like, immediately went to the psych ward, mm-hmm. you know, because I just was not doing well. Yeah. You know, I came home from a bender and, like, decided to, like, ruin these people's lives or whatever. And, um, yeah. And then I like went to the like, school counselor and I was like, I don't want to kill myself, but like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, have you ever been the side chick? Mm, no, no. Okay. That's, that's on brand. <laughs> if you said yes, I was going to kind of be shocked. I was like, Harley. Yeah. Home wrecker? What's wrong with you? I don't I'm think kidding, so. You're not a home wrecker. No, you're what? good. I don't think so. Okay. Don't recommend it. No. <laughs> um, I've been the side guy before. It's not cool. It's not cool. Yeah. Um that summer I came home and it was right, you know, it went right back to the way things were. Um was using a lot of suboxin. That summer was the first time I tried heroin. Um and I was doing manual labor too. So it's a lot of like very on brand for Hagerstown yeah. things. Yeah. Um, my dad is a and works in industrial construction mm-hmm. um, as a, a project manager. So mm-hmm. I was able to like go work on one of the job sites. And what were you doing? I was like 
Were you just like one of the painting? Cleaners? No, I was okay. painting an industrial cooling tower. Oh, cool. Yeah. So <laughs> there's actually a lot of like people don't realize like most of the painting is done by women in, in construction. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, I enjoyed parts of it, but yeah. I was also fucked up the whole time. Yeah. Or, I work for a lot of it. Yeah, if you're a painter, I mean, what do you... I mean, that's drinking 101 right there, right? Yeah, yeah. like, in the construction industry, like, different groups have different, like, uh, drugs of choice. Like, roofers are almost all on heroin. Well, and painters are drinkers, right? Painters are drinkers yeah. or just severe potheads. Plumbers are fucking drinkers. Because whenever I... I did not know this. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whenever I painted houses, yeah. I, I know, like, everyone... Like, my, my dad or whoever I painted with were like, all right, let's go get a 30-pack. Elect- like, electricians you know. love... They, they're, they're either pills or uppers. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. They're electric. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out the roofers and the heroin. I, I feel like I that do, doesn't mix. It does not mix. <laughs> yeah, you nod out and fall off a roof. That is, it, that is a bad day for you. But huh. it yeah. is it is a thing. Roofers are either current or former heroin users maybe the heroin users should be closer to the ground yeah i agree yeah they you should know? yeah they should be diggers or maybe yeah. just like the guys who hold the stop into the hole like is it i might slow down or is it stop i don't know bro just go maybe it adds to the high or something it, it might yeah the heat just i don't know who knows but um yeah so like it, my addiction was progressing too, although like I definitely didn't see myself as an addict. I just saw myself as someone who was experimenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything kind of changed like the winter of my second year in school, where I like once again came home, broke up with my, you know, whatever mm-hmm. boyfriend, not boyfriend. Yeah. And, um, I like reconnected with an old friend, the same friend from the first night I drank. Uh-huh. And so I was going to go spend New Year's with her and she didn't get off until like 11. So I was like, I went to the party with her boyfriend um, who was also there the first night I drank. And I remember like explicitly telling him, you know, like I just you know went through this breakup. I don't want to like you know do anything with anybody um but i do want to like go all out so like will you keep an eye on me and he was like yeah absolutely like i got your back um and all i really remember from that night is like in the beginning drinking um so when I had been to the inpatient psych ward, I had been prescribed Clonopin. So I was drinking on Clonopin and psych meds. Yeah. Um, and like the last thing I remember was smoking weed. And so like I got all kinds of stuff in my system. And then I woke up at like 2 or 3 a.m. in like a pitch black basement. Um, and I didn't know what was going on. But I knew that like somebody was on top of me and um and just like a trigger warning for anyone listening but um because it is gonna go into assault but like it was i thought it was in a dream and i'm slowly becoming conscious um and i realized that like the person who is on top of me is my friend's boyfriend and um you know it didn't stop when i asked it to stop um and so essentially like, you know, once I started crying and making enough noise, it was like, okay, okay, like, um, 
you know, went upstairs, went to like lay down with his girlfriend, and um, what the fuck? And I went like I'm still fucked up, but I'm like alert now, so I'm like walking around the party just trying to like find a lighter so I can go outside and smoke a cigarette and like no one will help me um everyone is like passed out and they're like you know like go to sleep like whatever um so I end up calling my parents and I'm like I don't know what just happened but I'm pretty sure that I was raped and like they came out at like three three o'clock in the morning um you know called the police so i went through the entire process because i thought that was the right thing to do yeah um and like essentially the result of all of that of like being interviewed several times and like going to the hospital getting a kit done all of that um was like i lost my entire friend group um because nobody believed me and um you know people were like well you know nobody believed at that time like if you were fucked up like you can't consent if that's not how people looked at it yeah (laughs) um and nobody else like were witness to like everything else that happened so um essentially like you know the cops were like well it's your word against theirs like we can't pursue anything i didn't know what else to do except go back to school yeah because i didn't even want to be in the same state as like any of these people yeah fuck. and i went back to school i think i did okay for like two or three weeks and then i just spiraled out um like i was on an inverted sleep schedule so i was awake when everyone else was sleeping i wasn't going to class i had gotten like you know disability services to write me a letter um so i didn't have to go i could like miss miss class be late on work Mm -hmm. um and i was pretty much just like holed up in my dorm uh smoking weed like for until march when i ran out of money and i had to come home um and i spent like the next year and a half doing exactly that like smoking you know when i woke up um on breaks at work when i got a job and then like when i got home until like very late at night um and during all this time like my the guy that i had been seeing on and off he had gone to jail Mm -hmm. um on a probation violation so we started writing each other letters (laughs) okay (laughs) because like i I don't know. I felt like I had nothing. Like I was, you know, starting to get some pieces of my life back, a little bit of like mental health regain. Um, but I was always drawn back to this person. Like I couldn't leave, I couldn't let it go. Um, and you know, from the time, like he was in there, we were planning to meet up when he got out. And I very naively was like, oh, like, he's been in jail. He'll be fine. Like, he's going to come out clean. And, uh, like, this is going to be... Was he in jail in Hagerstown? Uh, Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah, Adams County. Oh. Yeah, I've been in jail in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> no. Not fun. Um, he was there for 14 months, too. So, he uh. was, like, very much taken out of society. And, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you can still use them there. Like, yeah. I just, 
I was naive, so I didn't like think about all this. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to lash out for a quick second. Yeah. Fuck you, Pennsylvania, your shit ass jail system. <laughs> we Pennsylvania all, people are fine. Your right. jail system is fucking trash. It's okay. I have a resentment against Pennsylvania too. But um, All right. Fucking A. There's two of us. Do you hate Pennsylvania too? No. Oh, God damn it. I have no reason to. That's fair. Eric, but I support you. Thank Hating it. Nice. I love you. You're the fucking best. Um, so the first day he gets out of jail, like I go to meet him and he's already high. And um, he turned 21 in jail. So his addiction back out started it with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when the alcohol got to the point where it was like, okay, you need to go to detox or like something else needs to happen. Yeah. He just switched to Suboxone. Mind you, it was intravenous Suboxone. Yeah. Mm. Um, That's a thing. Yeah. It's not a good thing. No. You know. That just seems gross. So guess what I ended up doing? <laughs> intravenous Suboxone. Yes. Um, okay, what? hold on. Stop. <laughs> Were you doing strips or were you doing the pill? Strips. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we're not judging you. I'm a little bit judging. I'm good. <laughs> we're judging the act, not the person. No, Those the are two act, different things. The act. Yeah. The strips, like, I don't know. That's crazy. But think about it like I'm very, like, not to be, like, whatever. I consider myself, like, pretty intelligent. So I was like, well, I can trust this because it's a prescription. It's coming from a doctor. Yeah. Even though we were buying it on the street. But logic. <laughs> at some point. That is, that is like, justification somewhere. That is yeah. flawless logic. Yeah. So I was like, why, why would I do heroin when I don't know what I'm doing when I could just do this? Um, that's fair. And that's how I like, you know, pulled the wool over my eyes enough so that I could do that. And I did that for like the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working full time. Um, I ended up moving in with him and his mom. He was not working. Um, you know, he spent most of his time like, you know, getting the drugs and then we, and I was bankrolling it, um, mm-hmm. on a like $11 an hour. <laughs> Yeah. Hey. Um, so, you know, eventually that being supplemented with like robbing people, stealing from people. Um, and I was just, I was just robbing people. I was the getaway driver. But yeah. <laughs> um, like we would. You're so like. <laughs> You're you're very wholesome looking. So the yeah. fact that you're like I was I was the wheels in this fucking operation is really badass. <laughs> we would just go like meet up with people. It's not that badass. We would tell people we were gonna sell them acid and then like <laughs> go meet up with them and like outside of Apple Orchard or something. <laughs> And then drive away after you <laughs> like, okay, let me go. Like, I got the money. Let me go to your car. You're robbing a bunch of fucking hippies in an apple orchard. <laughs> That's <But> like, amazing. <laughs> There's your donkey story. That's fantastic. Uh, I drew the line because, like, some of them reached out and they were like, we're going to kill you. <laughs> what the fuck? And I was like. Just go to your fish concert. Shut I, up. I don't even think we made that much money. It was probably, like, $200. Yeah. Um, oh my god, that's amazing! Oh. Yeah, that's oh, dry my eyes. <laughs> Good times, <laughs> but um, that like, is the funniest setup I've ever heard. Hey, you guys, come meet us in this apple orchard. <laughs> We're gonna sell you some acid. 
<laughs> were they robbed at like gunpoint? No. Okay. Oh, so you just took their money and it like, was we're a like, very Bye. friendly exchange. We just didn't come back. <laughs> it, it was it was like what you would do when you burn someone, right? It's exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Robbery. I mean, whatever. <laughs> it was some type of fever. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, they deserved it. Oh, God, you fucking idiots. But like. <laughs> Things didn't just stick to like Suboxone. Pretty much at some point, it was like anything. Yeah, whatever you could get your hands on. Anything that would go in a needle, we were doing it. Whether it was basalts, cocaine. Oh, wow. Yeah, you did basalts. Yeah. Was it as horrible as it, we all think it is? It was terrible. Okay. I thought it was Molly. Um, they called it M, and and then I found out it was not. It was basalts, and I was like, um. I don't feel great about this, but I'm going to keep doing it. How much zombie <laughs> tendencies did you get? Did you ever um, bite anybody? No. Okay. But, like, my hair would get very matted from, like, rolling around and, like, oh. just, you know, <laughs> like, I couldn't control your body movements. You really are, like, yeah. some kind of yeah that, that animated body that in in my estimation and i i don't think i'm alone in this and eric will 100 percent co-sign this the big three no-nos of just stay the fuck away are bath salts crocodile and flocka if those are being offered to you get the fuck out of there yeah. immediately that i would agree yeah flocka is a type of bath salt but but um, it's like you know it's a name brand bath salt. It, is, it is a name brand yes bath salt. yeah that's oh I thought Franco was different. Crocodile. Crocodile is is just, that is just the bottom barrel. Do you know what crocodile is? No. So it's like this Russian cocktail of like drain cleaner and just any sort of chemical. Essentially what it is, is they were like, what if we made like meth for heroin? Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's like, crocodile. It's, it's bath. It's, it's bathtub heroin. Yeah, it literally your 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 skin and Ugh. meat just starts falling yeah, it's, off. Yeah, it above. starts it's to horrible. eat away at your um. At oh your skin. God, it's horrible. Don't Google it ever. It's horrible. Well, it gives it's you horrible. like chemical burns. Yes. Yeah, on the inside, mm-hmm. it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. So bath salts. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we were going to like trap quote unquote trap houses in like york county and adams county to get this stuff um so you know we did a lot of driving to martinsburg pennsylvania whatever um that whole like surrounding area of philly uh, like those suburb counties they're just rife with problems it was rough out there (laughs) yeah oh dude i yeah (sighs) um my bottom was when it started when um i was supposed to be picked up from work one night my boyfriend didn't show up and i got his aunt to pick me up when i got home he was in bed with another girl Mm. who coincidentally had had to like shave all of her hair off because of that whole hair matting thing i was just talking about oh my god so i like what is that like a thing that like people in basalts do like if you can't control your body movements and you're like sweating and rolling around for hours upon hours like your hair becomes extremely matted as a girl yeah Um, sounds terrible it is and it's not something you can just like wash out in the shower no Um, so i come home and there's this bald girl And, like, they're both passed out. Like, he has a belt wrapped around his arm. And I'm just, like, 
what the hell? Like, um, my whole life, like, I thought, you know, he was my whole life at this yeah. point. Um, we were a team and, you know, even with all the history of like cheating with me or cheating on me, like I, at this point I was like, who are you going to cheat on me with? Like, mm-hmm. I'm here doing drugs with you, like funding you. And yet, like, also I'm at work all day. So like, what is he going to get into? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I left. Um, I packed up all my stuff, took as much drugs as I could find, mm-hmm. um, and left. And I went home. Um, and then for like the next month, it was just this big long spiral of like staying in motels and um, losing my job. And I didn't have a car at this time because I had crashed it. And, um, you know, just like, trying to like win this person back um not that that you know i need to be the one doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> but um so the girl ended up getting pregnant Ooh. and that's all baby yeah my like well at this point we were doing math so <laughs> even better <laughs> forgot to Same say thing. that <laughs> um yeah i mean it's he was like I, I couldn't help it. Like, you know, we were doing meth together and like, what do you do when you're doing meth? Like you have sex. And I was like, I so what are you doing with like your guy friends when y'all are doing meth together? Like fucking <laughs> I mean, I listen, like I'm LGBT friendly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, do what you do, bro. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, what um, do you mean? Like what else would you do? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I have never smoked meth. So that is out of my, uh, uh, we were smoking it. Oh, God, you were injecting meth? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, like, so I would hang out with both of them because I still needed to get high. Uh. And my bottom was, like, sitting on the floor of her room, of his room there, like, in bed, like, watching TV or something. And I'm just, like, trying to get on and I can't and I'm crying and, like, and she's I, pregnant. She's pregnant. Is she doing meth? She's doing meth uh, and heroin. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Did the baby make it? I'll get there. <laughs> um, so much suspense. That's very good. Fantastic. I had my last fling with him. I'm like trying to wrap up my little drunk log thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but had my last fling with him when I was trying to make some money um, house sitting for my neighbors. They lived like three or four houses down from my parents. So my idea was that we were going to hang out this one last time, just the two of us do a bunch of drugs. And then I was going to be done. Mm -hmm. Like I was going to wean myself off of Suboxone, drop everything else, just probably just smoke weed or whatever my bright idea was. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it's safe to say that ended horribly. Um, you know, it ended up with like the um, the house was a mess. I blacked out. Like whenever I would be in mess psychosis, I would take a bunch of Seroquel to try to go to sleep, and oh, then God. I like end up sleep for like fifteen hours when I do go to sleep. Yeah. Um. So when I woke up, like jewelry is missing, medications are missing, the house is a mess. Um. You know, the girl ends up being there. Um. 
another guy ends up being there and it was just really bad and i had to go to like family dinner the next day <laughs> so i'm trying to figure out how to like make this right and um i can't basically yeah. my, my neighbors are like you know when they get home they're like we need you to come over <laughs> Yeah. And they walk me through the house and they're like, this wasn't like this. This wasn't like this. Like, things are broken. Things are torn off the walls. Like, what happened? And I tried to tell them that, like, oh, I, like, had a friend over because they, like, I owed them, like, 20 bucks or something. And they must have seen me, like, put the garage door cut <laughs> And I didn't know how the house got like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was just terrible lying. And... Like, after the fact, they said, like, when they talked to me, it looked like there was nothing behind my eyes. Um, Like, I was just gone as a person. So, my parents, I'm sitting out on the stoop, uh, like, a day or two later at my parents' house. And my parents pull me up and they're like, "Uh, we need to talk to you. They pull out a Ziploc bag that has a syringe in it. And um, they were like, at this whole time, like... Nobody knew what I was doing. Mm. There were some suspicions um, because of how I showed up to family functions or how I never had any money or, like, the fact that there was, like, sores on my face and then my scalp and stuff. Um, Like, I was a hot mess. Mm. And um, so they asked to see my arms because I had a history of self-harm, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd been wearing long sleeves all summer and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I was, away. yeah, I was like, I can't show you my arms. Yeah. Any like, parents out there who are listening, if your child is wearing a fucking hoodie in 85 degree weather, maybe, you know, <laughs> repeatedly, like you, you might want to Oh yeah. think about some shit. Oh yeah. I broke down. I was like, I had nothing left. Um, so I broke down and told them everything. Not everything, but enough that I was like, I'm like dependent on drugs and I can't stop doing them. And, um, yes, like I had people over, we were doing drugs in this house, whatever. Um, not whatever, but I, I asked for help. Like I needed help. Mm -hmm. I gave them all of like my works and my drugs and everything. And, um, Spent the next three days, like, kicking at my house until we could get a bed in, like, a treatment center. And I ended up going to Mountain Manor in Baltimore. In Irvington? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a great reference. Dude. That's the only good reason to go to Irvington. Yeah. Collins. <laughs> what were we just talking Shut about? Up. Like, yeah. th- this, is, this shows you you need to go. <laughs> right? <laughs> to Mountain Manor? <laughs> no, to Collins. <laughs> God. To go to the thrift store. No. Um, okay, if you arrange it, I'll go with you. <laughs> so for me, we'll coming from Hagerstown, <laughs> you want to buy some trash? I want to come. All right, we'll buy some trash. We'll make it a thing. Okay. Heck yeah, nostalgia. So, yes. <laughs> um. So for me, coming from Hagerstown, going to inner like to me in inner city like Baltimore <laughs> was like it's pretty close. Scared straight. It, it is um, actually inner. It is the inner city. I, I would say. Yeah, like, I would one hundred percent say Irving. I mean, once you kind of cross, I mean, once you cross six ninety five, like five minutes in. I mean, once you're past there, Paradise, you're you're in the. Oh yeah, you're in the danger. Paradise. It's highway to the danger zone at that point. I mean, we're really only ten minutes away from from like, yeah. From yeah. like that part of the war zone from here. Yep. Anyway, so you're um, scared straight. Yeah, yeah I'm 23. Wait, you were afraid of Baltimore? 
Schmidt. She came from Hagerstown. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's And she's dealing different. with like Adams and Bucks and County. Like, and like fucking apple like, farms and shit. Yeah, and now yeah she's robbing like, Sid heads and yeah. fucking apple orchards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. I'll like touch bugs and pick up snakes. Like, I'm no problem. <laughs> but, like, when I was <laughs> a ball well, what about, like, wait, wait, your type of bugs. Now, like a bed bug, cockroaches. I mean, no, good with like, this? Like, no, like Katie did. Yeah, Katie did. And stick bugs and the fun bugs. Yeah. You know, not the filthy fucking trash bugs of Baltimore. No, we would step on them outside like we were smoking on our brakes or whatever. Damn right, you would. Be like, oh, it's like whack a mole. Yeah. But. It's true, because as soon as you squish one, another one pops up. Yeah. I just remember, like, I, at this point, I was very open-minded. I was, like, trying to soak everything up like a sponge because all of my plans and ideas had gotten me to this point of, like, serious spiritual, like, destituteness. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm Did asking... Did you listen to uh, uh, Christina's podcast? At some point, yes. Dude, when uh, the judge called her moral turpitude? Turpitude, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. You lack yeah. moral turpitude. Yeah. I mean, I'm like in the nurse's office the first day doing my intake, and I'm like, how am I supposed to survive this? Yeah. Um, and she was like, just listen and watch. Like, listen to everything, watch everybody, and like, remember that this is for you at the end of the day. So I went in there. Um, it was crazy. Like there was actually somebody in there who knew like a childhood friend of mine and she was from Cumberland. Mm-hmm. Oh. So there were all these weird coincidences. Um, yeah. And like, I obviously I did survive. Um, but that was the first time I was really truly introduced to like, um, 12 step recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like my dealer had given us. A basic text at some point but like that was at the time when we were still looking at everything as just surfaces your dealer oh, gave wow. you a basic text he like gave my boyfriend a basic text because wow. like i wasn't an addict my yeah. boyfriend was an addict well, eric who was it that literally had like just like drug residue all over their basic text who was that was that you what somebody it was somebody, definitely him somebody yeah. came in and had, literally yeah. had drug residue all over their basic text it would not be me I don't know. We'll say Zach. I, we'll say Zach B. I could see it being Zach. 100%. We'll say it's Zach B. We're moving on. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, my plan was fully just to, like, get clean, get stuff out of my system, and go... Right back to it. Go home. Yeah, no, I mean, I yeah. yeah, I didn't really have plans. Like, I just knew that, like, if I went back to the same guy, the same things were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um and like when I got everything out of my system, like I was so emotionally numb to like certain parts of that situation. Oh um, yeah, I remember calling him from treatment to like to be like it's over, and like the first thing he said on the phone was like, "Oh, like don't worry, like we didn't have to get an abortion; it was an ectopic pregnancy, so like that's all good." Uh, oh. And I was just like, "What the fuck, dude? Act- what is that? What it's is that? like I'm." Sort of like a stillborn, isn't it? No. No? It's like the pregnancy was never viable. Um, oh, okay. Okay, okay. Like the egg would have like implanted basically in, in the uterus. In the ovaries yeah. or like the tubes or something. Yeah. Um, so it's like 
That shit can be fatal yeah. for the person. It Ooh. can. That's what happened to my oldest sister. Oh, God. Right? And during the uh, whole downfall of my entire family, yeah. that was like the first yeah. thing that happened. My other sister found her on the bathroom floor, like That's not right. able to move. That's right. You told me that. Ah. Oof. Yeah. And if she wouldn't have found her and gotten her to the hospital, she could have died. Yeah. Like that shit's dangerous. It is. And this guy's just like nonchalantly like, no, it's totally cool. We don't have a baby. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, it's he fun, died babe. in the fallopian tubes like <laughs> eight months ago and like we got it removed. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I too was like, I don't care. Like, I yeah. don't care if you're a dad or not. Like, I don't want anything to do with you. Good. Um, and like... I wasn't sure where I was going to go after treatment. Um, I got pulled out early, so I was only in there for three weeks because my parents wanted me to go to my... Because you were an A-plus recovery. Right. <laughs> they were like, are you really going to get more out of, like, another week here? Like, if you are, you can stay, but, like, your grandma is about to turn... Your great-grandma is about to turn 103, so, like... Well, that's oh, awesome. wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like... fuck that last week of recovery. Go to a 103-year-old birthday. That's awesome. I made it in time to, like, you know, see her for that, and then I think a week later, she died. Oh, yeah. So that's actually awesome. Yeah, it was like, I don't think it was a coincidence. Um, Mm -mm. Yeah, but, and she, yeah, she was like a really cool lady. She had been like a high school counselor and stuff. So even though she had dementia, she like gave me some really sage wisdom or something that was like, you know, everybody's taking everything way too serious and life isn't about that. And so that's 2018. So she was born in 1915. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's wild. I do not want to live that long. That's crazy. Um, I don't think I was super like grateful or in touch with any of that back then because you're in early recovery. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Um, I, you know, couldn't control my feelings when I had them. Um, and so basically, like the only my only priority, like besides supporting my family through that was to go to meetings Mm -hmm. and i remember the first meeting i went to was in outside was i think was in maine uh, because that's where my family's from originally not me but like parents and stuff yeah and um so i'm in this like it's an it was an aa meeting with like two or three like older dudes yeah (laughs) and my mom (laughs) and me and um you know, I told them like exactly what was going on, like how I just got out of treatment and I didn't know where I was going to go live. And basically I was on like a vacation until I figured all that out um, in Maine. And, you know, they, I mean, it was super weird to me, but they really embraced me and they yeah. were like, everything's going to be okay. Well, they're like, practically Canadians. I'm sure they're yeah. very welcoming. Yeah, they were. And, of course, they're, like, talking to my mom, too. Like, she's going to be okay. Like, um, you know. And then, Good on you, Maine. Right. You props, in, props in the Maine book. They were sweeties. <laughs> Fuck Pennsylvania. So, I grew up, before we moved to Hagerstown, I grew up in Severna Park until um, I was 10. And um, I was like, maybe if I go back to, like, before Hagerstown or something like things will at least be nostalgic or different or like I don't know 
So I ended up moving into a recovery house in Cape St. Clair, which mm-hmm. is like near Arnold and Annapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent like the next three years in these recovery houses. Nice. Um, the first year as just a resident and then the next two like working for them as an outreach worker. And um, like I, I knew a lot of people who said that like the those recovery homes, Oxford houses, like did so much for them, mm-hmm. but it was definitely NA that saved my life. Um, because I had no capacity to like make friends or anything. I just remember going to meetings and really just clinging to people like little baby deer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I would meet one woman, she would introduce me to like 15 women. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how I met my sponsor. Um, her name's Abby F. Okay. Yeah. So she's, so this was in Bay area. Um, and she was just like the one person who like hugged me and like looked at me like really warmly and was like, I would love it if you called me. And I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, we went out to Panera together. Um, I told her my story. I've had so much recovery in a Panera. I've done so much step work in a Panera. So strange. It's a great place. It's very wholesome. (laughs) Dude, you get a nice fresh onion soup and a bread bowl going over recovery. That's a good way. It's a good way to go. I think their food is trash. I think you're trash. Fuck you. So bougie for somebody that goes to college. I know. This guy who's he's fucking buying trash in Irvington talking shit about bread bowls at Panera. I'm a little bougie. You are so high and mighty, you turd. Come down from your ivory tower and onto your high horse, you fuck. Oh my god. I'm sorry. That was a that was really aggressive. There's a lot of there's a lot of resentment under David for like certain people of I love our rivalry. Difference, so you know, much. You are my favorite economic, rival in my entire um, life. I guess I don't have a golf hole for you to shit in, do I? That was a low blow. <laughs> I told you that in confidence. You told it on a podcast. I told it on the podcast. I've told the world. I shit in golf holes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whoever had to clean it up, I'm sorry. Keep going. You're so don't just anyways. Don't listen to my podcast. It's just like, why did you do those things? They're a piece of shit. Uh, we, we can we no, can rehash this a little bit. He he used to shit in golf holes I when think he was established uh, this. when he was a high schooler because he thought like he had a resentment I thought I was getting against, back at the man. He had a resentment against rich people. But it was um, just some poor groundskeeper was cleaning up my shit. Yeah. So I I brought that to light when he was like I never bragging. Thought about it i was like yeah there's no way that like a rich person touched your poop that was the ground screw <laughs> some blue collar guy i bet one time though like somebody you know hopefully yeah. i hope i got one of them yeah sons of bitches like oh my god yeah enjoy your hole in one now chad oh my god. <laughs> okay where were we <laughs> um, my first recovery job was working at target for the for a year oh we were talking um, about panera that got Wow, we were talking about Panera. I got way out of hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gonna move along. Yep. From Panera to Target. Um, in case anybody's listening, we're all white people in this room. <laughs> God. It was the Super Target in Annapolis, too. Nice. Um, so, essentially, like, I had to go ahead to, like, start working the steps, but I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, it was just way more important to be like really fully immersed in the retail lifestyle. 
<laughs> it was the holidays and like my hours were picking up and I yeah. had to get that money. Yeah. Um, and then January 3rd, I got the news that my ex-boyfriend had died from an overdose. Mm. Um, and I hadn't talked to him since like around Thanksgiving or so. Um, because he was still trying to like keep in touch with me the whole time. And I was like, I don't have like room for you in my life now. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're clean, that's a different conversation. But, um, he was like supposedly waiting for a bed in a treatment center when he died. So, um, that was something that like at the time was very problematic for me just because it's like, I mean, obviously, like, I'm going to grieve this person because they were really integral to a lot of my life. But I also had a lot of judgment against myself because this person and I, like, did we did horrible things to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it was not a good relationship. And so I think I suppressed a lot of that for years until, like, really this past year when I've kind of been able to, like, you know, give myself over to like having some emotions and knowing that like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to survive them. Mm -hmm. Um, but my solution at the time was like to start working with steps and, um, that's a fantastic solution. I just dove right into it. Mm -hmm. Like I stopped going home every weekend. I started like making a real network. Um, and you know just doing my step work and so by the time i like got to a year i had finished the first three steps um and i was doing like pretty well for myself realistically um and i think by not to like skip over everything but Mm -hmm. (laughs) by like year four um i got this past summer like i had gotten through all 12. um so work like three steps a year and like that's always before me that's always been a consistent for me um like when stuff you know because i still deal with like a lot of like relationships are like kryptonite for me um i still haven't figured that one out Mm -hmm. and i'm you know taking a long break from that one because it's just like i have a lot of trauma and stuff i need to work through Mm -hmm. Um, but like in the step work, like that's where that stuff can come out and I can process it and then I can go like talk about it with my sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved around a lot, so my network has changed a lot of several times. Um, I moved to Linthicum, Glen Burnie, Columbia, back to Glen Burnie. Um, and then now I'm in Columbia, so I kind of settled in like the central Maryland um and west side baltimore areas and um it's the best area really yeah they're, they're good <laughs> columbia you have like the luxury of choosing between like a few different areas oh yeah you can you can go to laurel area really yeah. easy you can pop up to cadensville yeah but really like in columbia there's not much recovery no I mean, Howard, howard county is very barren yeah which is kind of a shame unless you go yeah, yeah, yeah they that. have a lot of AA, but NA has not really taken a hold. So Howard County, you know, step up your fucking game. Yeah, like the Serenity Center used to be a little bit popping, but yeah. <laughs> COVID kind of did that one. In. It, it COVID did a did lot, it, it, in. It, it's, yeah. it comes and goes. Um, 
COVID was like really a huge bolster to like my recovery because that was when I started making my network around here. Like I was living in Columbia. I had just opened an Oxford house for women and I was living there and um like we opened it March first and by I think March fifteenth yeah, or something we were ago, shut, yeah. down. shut the fuck down. Yeah. So I made a whole network entirely on Zoom. Um nice. and um you know, I ended up dating somebody who lived in Tennessee that I met on Zoom. Um, and like we, everyone else is quarantining. Like there was a couple times where like we met up halfway did in you, Virginia. Did you quarantine? We did. To yeah. see your Zoom boyfriend. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm judging you on that one. That's- it was everything was so boring. No, I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um. And it was exciting and, you know, and then I visited him in Tennessee and that stuff didn't work out. Um, but that person was like very important to me and, um, we're coming up on like the one year anniversary of his death because like he, he he got, I believe three years clean and had worked all 12 steps and like stopped going to meetings Mm -hmm. and, um, stopped doing all the things. And he could talk like his parents were in AA. He could like talk an amazing, you know, recovery, whatever, but, uh, wasn't, you know, living it. And so this past year has been a lot about, um, you know, working through grief, working through like the ways that I handle grief, the ways that I, you know, process the hard things. Um, I'm on my second round of steps. So like what addiction looks like today for me is a lot different from what it used to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's food or sleeping or, mm-hmm. or sex or like inappropriate relationships or like whatever, um, you know, and I really feel like I keep coming back because not only because of the people, but because like this is the only thing that has ever worked for me like i have an amazing life now um even with like all the things i struggle with like i work for the state helping people um you know people in recovery out of recovery i work in a high school so i help kids that are like just getting started yeah that's my dream yeah and um it's it's been truly amazing to like to get to do all those things and meet so many people and do things I never would have done on my own. Um, so yeah, I don't know what else to say. And you have said plenty. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, we definitely have some questions for you, Carly. You go first. Really? Yes, hundred percent. Wow. Okay. Um. So you mentioned now working in recovery. So how do you balance your own recovery with working in the recovery field? That's a great question. Um, So I've experienced burnout a few times working at, I've been working in recovery for the past three years. And what's really important to me is that my job is not my recovery. Um, You know, it's very fulfilling to help people, but that does not count as like service for me. Um, not in like the sense of like freely giving of myself because I'm getting paid to do it. Mm -hmm. So my meeting attendance is very important. My step work is very important. And like, you know, keeping in touch with other people that are clean because like you can work in recovery with other people who are in recovery, but 
they ain't always recovering. Mm -hmm. So it's important for me to like make sure I'm surrounded with other people that I can get stuff from. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> um, which question do I want to go with? Um, all right, we'll go with that one. Uh, how do you deal with your mental health in recovery? So I seek um, help outside of NA for mm -hmm. that. I've been in therapy weekly since I got clean. Um, and what's different now as opposed to like when I was in therapy from like 16 to 19 uh, is that I'm actually honest with them. Um, and like, I try to let them take the lead sometimes because uh, I used to just bullshit my way through therapy. Yeah. Um, so therapy combination of like, you know, I am on, I mean, I'm on psychiatric medication mm -hmm. um, and like keeping a close eye on that. And, and then also just like, you know, the same support network, like I use for recovery. I need that for like my mental health as well. So um, the social support really is everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, now I know you gave a lot of credit to NA, but mm -hmm. how have recovery houses been vital to your recovery? Ooh, so it was important for me to be living with other people that were trying to do some of the same things that I was doing. Um, and it gave it always gave me a safe place to come home to. So I love my family, but if I would have tried to get clean with them, I know I would have been stealing their car and going out and doing like what I've been doing like right away. And I still had a car and everything, but when I'm coming home to a recovery house and I have like, you know, there's something at stake, like my mm -hmm. shelter is at stake um, for staying clean or, or even just behaving, doing my chores. Like it taught me how to be a human. It taught me how to live with other people, um, which was not something that I was good at before. Um, and I lived with like, you know, upwards of five or six people a lot of the time. So you meet all kinds of people in those situations. Um, but, you know, three years, three years is a long time to be in recovery housing. Um, but I definitely got a lot out of it. Like I took advantage of it as much as I could. Nice. Uh, I'm going to do a fun question. Sure. Because I'm peeping your tattoos. <laughs> and what kind of, what kind of owl? And is that, is that a vulture or a condor? It is a vulture. It's a turkey vulture. Okay, it's a turkey vulture. Yeah. What is the significance of those? Um, because actually, all three of us have birds. Okay. Bird tattoos. Yeah, this one's so a, go round round. a barn owl. Two. But um, two. Okay, yeah, barn owl. Yeah, but this one's more significant: the turkey vulture. Okay, that's um, the one I was really curious about. Why the vulture? Like, I think there is something really symbolic about. It's almost like a kind of like a phoenix to me in a way because it makes something, it makes life out of like death. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I was like driving over, you know, over the Severn River or whatever, um, fucking everywhere to Annapolis for work in my first year of recovery, I would see them and it would remind me to pray because I'm like really not good at like. <laughs> doing routines mm -hmm. um so it would, it would remind me to pray and i was like oh i'm gonna like get it on my arm so like and i it doesn't really remind me to pray now <laughs> yeah 
but it still has that significance. Fantastic. Your birds, Carly. I have. I, I, yeah, I totally. The cardinals the on my arm yeah. um, to represent both my parents who have um, passed away. Just as a reminder that they're like always here. Mm -hmm. um, and then the phoenix on my back, which is the one that you came oh, yeah, with fantastic. me to get. Yeah. Um, I'm so yeah I don't know I'm how gonna, you forgot that I'm gonna and that was that. something that I had in mind even way before recovery um, because of everything that like happened with mm -hmm. my family um, and how like awful of a time that was mm -hmm. and difficult it was to like just function after my mom's stroke and my dad passing away mm -hmm. and my sister with the atopic pregnancy and all of that. And then it was like after getting in recovery, I thought it was a perfect time to get it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And my bird is really lame and I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going to, but like, I, Do you, you know. Do you No. It's a raven. It's a, it, it's, <laughs> it's a raven. No, but it's a raven. It, it is a raven. It's, it's, you know, it's a unique raven. Um. I don't know. It's not a Baltimore Raven or anything. No, it's not technically. It does have like the B in the middle for the heart, but um, it's based off like the Northwestern Indian design. So it's really cool looking, yeah. but it's purple and black and everything. Um, the trickster Raven. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I, I just love there's so much symbol symbol symbolism with the raven mm -hmm. like they're just such an intelligent bird and the, like they make connections with a lot of other animals in order to survive so they're very not only social within their own group they're social with they're social with wolves and bears and even like bald eagles so yeah i mean it was more than just the team because i also like that it's a fantastic bird yeah. but yeah but tattoos are, i love that tattoos and recovery are great i love them for Eric, both of you Eric, both, you yeah. should get one no i'm good <laughs> okay fuck you Thank you very much. Um, all right. I am going to do a serious question now. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Why did you get to go two in a row? That's a good point. You go, Carly. I wasn't seeing that you've worked all 12 steps and you're on your second round. Which step has been most important um, in your recovery? Um, I'm going to say probably step five. Okay. <laughs> Tell me more about that because I've been stuck on that one for six months now. Just because I've been avoiding the steps in general. Like step four and five together, but yeah. <laughs> Eric is brewing over there. I feel Keep like going. there's an unspoken conversation. Have you two not finished your steps yet? No. I don't want you, the level of condescension in your voice right now is not appreciated. Roll it back a little. I'm just saying, I mean, there yeah. we go. It's a marathon. It's not. Not a sprint. Um, it is. Thank you. It's a journey. Yeah. How long have you been clean now? Why don't you mind you longer, <laughs> longer than you, bitch? Uh, how, how many times have you finished the steps? <laughs> how many times did I get clean? Once. How many times did you get clean? That's okay. We're, asking, we're talking about step work right now. We're not talking about clean time, right? <laughs> you, just, you just brought up clean time. No, we're talking about you. step work. We're talking about step work. Well, no, 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 we're not. We're talking we're about, about step time. work. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Yes, you have finished the steps. I'm still on step 11 with 10 years clean. Five? Why are you stuck on five? You I'm not stuck. Up. I just put it down and never picked it back up. So you're just letting it sit there and yeah. marinate. It's marinating. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't stuck. I That's just, your sixth step you're supposed to let marinate. I know. And <laughs> part know? of it is also because I'm avoiding getting to my sixth step. Because I saw 
you can what keep Miranda your, you, you went keep through. Your, yeah, you can keep your character defects for longer if you don't get to six. Um, that's a fact. No, you do. That's you, a fact. No, you, you get to keep them. You don't get rid of your character defects. <laughs> yes, you like, do. You give them to God, dude. Oh, Jesus Christ. You, I you, sat you, and you watched put them in a the torture and that Miranda went through on si- step six, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to rush to get there. Yeah, but Miranda's also like kind of bad shit. Hey, don't talk about In the her best like way. That. I, love, I Miranda. love Miranda. I love Miranda too, but come on, let's be honest. Like, I've met her. I don't. Don't talk about my sponsor sister. Like. I love Miranda. That's right, Carly. I absolutely love Miranda. You have to admit she's at least ten percent bad shit. That's it. Ten percent. Ten percent. Ten percent. I'm a solid twenty-five. Easy. I'm just saying, game recognizes this game. So, she's bad so shit. Hold on, bad <laughs> guys. You guys have stuff to do. But Carly's why is hurt. step five your favorite? Thank you. Because I want to know more Thank about you for that. Thank that back to me. Um, so, Don't hurt me. basically, like, I'm going to do a nature analogy right now because I'm Ooh, really okay. into nature. Um, I am too. So this might be helpful. There's a bug called a junk bug, and it turns into like a really beautiful bug called a lacewing. Oh, a lacewing fly. It's yeah. called a junk bug because it picks up stuff from its environment and it eats other bugs and it like puts all of like the skeletons of the bugs it ate on its body to camouflage itself um so it's like defense mechanism right when i get to step four i feel like i have a lot of skeletons um i feel like i have a lot of shit to work through and when i you know it's great to write about it in step four but when I was able to talk about it with my sponsor, that's when I felt like, okay, like this is a story that I can rewrite. Like I can change the narrative going forward. And I didn't have that perspective when I was writing on it because I was still kind of like in it. Yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. So that's what I would say. All right. That's the best analogy for step five I've ever heard. And I'm out of question, so it's all over to you. All right. Um, um, last question. Um, hmm. How important is changing our perceived realities? Because like in your addiction, you talked about how you, you ultimately had this really good childhood but Mm -hmm. for some reason there was a perceived reality that you didn't want to be who you are and then coming into recovery um intelligent people can often think themselves right out of recovery Mm -hmm. you know how, how do you manage to keep yourself grounded in past present future and your reality well, I think the biggest thing is not being stuck in my head because in my head, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about I don't have enough, I'm not enough, I will never be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I can talk to other people about what's going on, that's when I like, you know, get the hope that like, oh, like the way that I'm thinking isn't going to stay this way forever. And like, I'm not going to say I don't struggle sometimes, right? Because like, yeah. I work in harm reduction and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I have to be open minded. Yeah. But I know that like this is the only thing that works for me. Um, and so like my reality now is that like a lot of the times my intelligence the rationalization the justification intellectualization has been a detriment to me mm-hmm. so sometimes i have to think less <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Fantastic. yeah. all right well we are 
out of time and out of questions, but we would like to thank our guest, Corey, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. We're going to give you a quick minute to talk to anybody out there who's struggling, uh, needs to hear that message of hope. What do you have to say directly to them? Um, to those people, I would say you can do this. Be patient with yourself. It doesn't matter how many times it takes. Like The most important thing is that you stay alive. So whether that means, you know, MAT or, you know, reduction or like whatever you need to do, like you can't recover without a breath in your body. Mm. So... I think that that's super important for people to hear. Um, yes. If you're struggling in recovery, like I've been there too, um, you know, we can do this together. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. Well, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Check out all our social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, to find out more about us. Go to podcastrecovery.com. We are self-supporting, so please join our Patreon because we need help keeping the mics on. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Um, come be a guest. Come, come share your story with us. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean.